Good afternoon and happy Monday. Welcome to the first episode of Close the Blinds, a podcast where I deep dive into childhood trauma and how to cope with the aftermath. I'm so glad you can join me on this journey. My name is Holly and I will be your host for this season. We do have a couple guests coming up in the next few weeks. And if you would like to be one of them, or you just need an ear, or you just want to chat, my inbox is always open, and you can email me anytime. Without further ado, we're going to jump right into my story. My story is very heavy, so if it is too much, I do apologize. I will say that there is a lot of um, violence as well as neglect and abuse that takes place so if you have little ears around now is the time to throw in some headphones or go into a different room all right well before i tell the story i want you guys just to know who i am so of course my name is holly and i wanted to start the podcast years ago and never had the courage to and i'm finally at a place in life where i feel like i i can do that And I don't care how upset it makes my mother or my father. I hope that it makes them realize that these are long-lasting effects. This has not only had on me, but on all of my siblings and all of the people that we encounter as well. Our relationships are forever changed because we were left to carry the burdens of adulthood from such a young age. I remember being unsupervised and alone a lot. And... I look at my own kids and there's no way that I would leave them here to fend for themselves. It's amazing the way that we grow up and the things that happen to us, the way that they shape our future. And that's really what we're here to talk about. So at this point, I am 29 years old, almost 30. Don't tell anybody. Oh my goodness. And I am the stay at home mom of two wonderful little boys My husband is active duty in the Army, and so we are currently stationed at Fort Bliss. We have moved numerous times in our lives, and honestly, it's never bugged me, and I'm sure that that stems from always having to move as a child, but I enjoy this lifestyle, and I love the people that we've met through it and wouldn't change it. Back long before we had kids and what I would like to think is a little slice of normalcy, I was raised in a very dysfunctional household. One in which I not only had the displeasure of experiencing physical and emotional abuse, but I experienced quite a bit of neglect as well. Now, neglect can be categorized as many different things. For me, it was definitely being left alone for too long, not having heat one winter, sometimes not having running water, things of that nature, Um, not having clean clothes, not having your, you know, not knowing how to do any of those things for yourself either, Um, having to look after siblings, those types of things are my experience with neglect. I would say that my experience started around 12 Up and until then, I feel like I had a seemingly normal childhood. 
I will say maybe the catalyst for this could have been many things. It, there was death of family members at this point. Um, there was drug use going on with both of my parents at this point and very, very bad alcoholism with my father. Maybe it was just a lack of care. I don't know. But by the time I was 12, I felt like I was on my own. I was very alone. By age 13, I feel that's when the physical abuse started. It started out with my father and my mother, from what I can remember. But anytime she wasn't there, it was like being the oldest woman, for some reason, that abuse was turned on me. I don't know if it was my mannerisms, my face, whatever, but my father always, for some reason, if my mother wasn't within earshot, would then take it out on me. I can vividly remember my mom locking herself in the bathroom and my younger siblings got locked in their rooms, but she really left me outside with my dad to be in the line of fire and she pleaded for me to get help. I was 13. This would be the first time I called the police on my parents and sadly it wouldn't be the last. My father would plead guilty to a disturbing the peace and we would sweep it under the rug and close the blinds because that's what our family was good at. The next time that really comes to mind is when I was 14 and my father threw a wooden TV tray at my head. My mother was waitressing at the time and I called her instead of calling the police. She called my grandmother to come get my siblings and I. And I remember going with my grandmother after pleading with my dad to let me take the baby, which would be my baby brother at this point, who's three. He ultimately let my brother go with us and we ended up at my grandma's house. I remember the police showing up to her home, but I also remember while they were questioning me, my grandmother never leaving my side and fielding any questions that, quote, could get you taken away, end quote. It was a constant fear put into my head from the time I was very little, even up and until now, that if you tell anyone, if someone really knows what's going on at home, they will take you away. And I wasn't afraid of that. That wasn't anything to me. But along with that, they would say they would take you away and they're going to split up your siblings and you'll never see them again. Now that, that was something I could not bear. Those were my babies. Those will forever be my babies. I hold my siblings in my heart the same way I hold my own children. So that was something that always left me in fear. And I'm finally breaking those fears and coming out and telling my story because it's about damn time. Anyways, that same year, we spent the winter 
in Michigan, mind you, without heat. And that would also be the first, but not the last time that that happened. Around Christmas that year, I remember being told we were going to move. Not because we wanted to, but because the bank had foreclosed on our home. This was a pivotal point in my younger years. I had just met my high school sweetheart and began doing a lot of bad things. I was drinking, smoking, and doing drugs almost every weekend. By 16, I would say I was pretty out of control. The marriage wasn't getting any better, and neither was I. I even showed up to my ACT drunk. I rarely stayed at my own home. Hell, one time I even missed a parade my senior year because my then boyfriend had given me a handful of ecstasy the night before and I took them all. That's a whole story for another time though. I can just remember around this time doing really, really crazy things and lashing out and thinking Maybe they'll see me. Maybe they'll see what I'm doing and they'll try to help me. Maybe someone will intervene. And I will say that there were certain people in my life that got me through and helped me during times like these. My cheer coach was one of them. Um, A couple teachers that really helped. My best friend, he was the whole reason I'm probably still alive today. I had a great group of friends that I made into my family. I can remember right around this time, realizing my parents were divorcing. My mom would stay out working all night while my father was out of town, actually working. And I was at home watching their children. One day it had been I want to say 48 to 72 hours since I had last heard from either of my parents. I kept calling my dad. He finally answered and he was so confused. He thought my mom had been home the whole time. So he was just angry and wouldn't like hung up the phone on me. I didn't know what to do. So I called everyone I could think of. Her sisters, my aunts, her mother, my grandmother, her friends. And to my surprise, she answers one of her friend's phones. She's got some lame-ass excuse of why I haven't heard from her in days. At this point, I'm now livid. So I hang up the phone. And she pulls in. And she pulls up with her friend and her now husband, so her brand new boyfriend. I remember just a feeling of resentment and anger and I even screamed at my my mom's friend, who I was more like an aunt to me than anything. She's passed now, and I thank God every day that I got to tell her that I was sorry for that incident. But when I told her I was sorry, she looked at me and told me she was sorry. And she was sorry that she didn't do more during that time and that they weren't making healthy decisions during that time. And honestly, I felt seen again. And that was beautiful. So, miss you. Aunt Cab, love you.
Just remember constantly feeling during this period like I needed to escape. I left the house that day and there was no turning back. I left the house and went and did acid for the first time even. Anything to numb my mind, I'd try it. When my father got back from out of town, I remember him waking me up and saying, you've been asleep for 24 consecutive hours. What the hell are you on? Without pause, I replied, I did a lot of acid. And I went right back to sleep. That same night when I reawoke, my father rolled us a joint and we openly talked about drugs, abuse, divorce, domestic violence in our home. And oddly, it felt like it was the first time someone actually understood and took even just an ounce of accountability. As weird as it may seem or as it may sound, I felt seen. And I think it was a pivotal point at a young age because even now while my dad is in jail, I still crave his attention. I still want him to call me. I still want to hear his voice and I still value his opinion. And I shouldn't. He's proven it time and time again, but I do. So I think that this was one of those odd trauma bonding moments that people have where it really triggered a catalyst in me to almost forgive him. But I don't think I ever fully forgave my mom until about a year ago. It's very odd the way that trauma morphs itself and what it does to your mind. I will also add that that summer between my junior and my senior year, I don't remember at all. I was just trying to escape my reality, quite literally. And by my senior year of high school, my mom told me she was pregnant with her boyfriend's child. And I remember feelings of, what? How? Like, you're so old. (laughs) And that probably sounds terrible, but my headspace just wasn't there. Um, I decided that in that moment that I was going to get my own place. And... I was going to focus on getting myself away from everything that was going on. Because that same year, around Valentine's Day of 2012, she's about six months pregnant, my mother, and they had this big blow-up fight. And she was again the victim of domestic violence and assault. And her boyfriend went to jail. It changed my attitude on her pregnancy and the entire situation, and I remember feeling like it was my job and my duty as this baby's sibling to step in and step up and be the father figure that wasn't there or not going to be there. That's where he was the day my baby brother was born. His dad was in jail. So even though my mother went into labor the night Before my graduation party, I shit you not, I rushed to the hospital and I spent all eight hours laboring with her and ultimately cutting my brother's cord and being the first one to hold him. Ugh, he was precious. 
I didn't even want to give him back to her, but by 10 a.m. with no sleep, had to go meet my dad at the VFW to help decorate and set up for my graduation party. I remember when I got in my dad's truck, he had brought us both a fifth of vodka and a case of Red Bull. And that's quite literally how we survived that day. To be 100% honest, the only real actual memory I have is embracing my great-grandfather who had made his way all the way from San Antonio to Michigan. The day was just very overshadowed with me sharing pictures and stories from the night before and with the lack of sleep and the amount of intoxication, it's a hazy, hazy memory for, for me. I would say that that's the last time I remember really, really knowing who I was in the moment. Until about a year ago, I struggled so hard with my own identity. 18 to 28, I couldn't, I didn't find myself the way I needed to. I left the house and I move in with my high school sweetheart. He and I had a very volatile relationship and it wasn't something that was normal for other people, but I think for both of us, it was very normal. We both grew up in abusive households uh, with the men in and out of jail and things of that nature. So for us, that's what love looked like. And it took until he held a knife to my throat before I had the courage to leave. I remember the police showing up because I had called my mother when I got out of there and I assumed that she had called the police and saved my life. But they looked so stunned. They were like, what are you talking about? Your mom didn't call us. A man called us. And it ultimately ended up being my neighbor and he saved my life that day. But by the time my mom got there, about 25 minutes after police showed up, she had a full bag of makeup and a bag with black pants and trousers and a blouse in it and said, you have to work in two hours. I need you to get it together. She asked if she could take me with her. I went with her. And I vividly remember the cops showing up at my work and how embarrassing it was. I vividly remember the prosecutor calling and how embarrassing that was. I vividly remember putting makeup over marks, but not shedding a single tear. Because for some reason, I didn't want to look weak in front of my mother. It was toxic and it wasn't good. And so I jumped from that to living on a college campus and doing things like Molly and MDMA almost daily, acting up and acting wild to say the very least. I ended up meeting my husband at 20 years old and we got pregnant that same year. I think that that was God's way of saving my life. Last year, 
maybe almost two years ago now, I checked myself in to a mental health treatment facility. And this has been a crazy topic within my family for some reason. It's something that they love to throw in my face, that I went and checked myself into the loony bin for a weekend. Oh, they say it just like that. Go check yourself back in. I will tell you right now that it is probably the best thing I ever did for my family. I was treating my children in a manner in which my parents were treating me. I was getting angry and calling names and doing things that I didn't feel like a child deserved. And I needed to get to the root of what the problem was. I felt so horribly about who I was as a human, as a wife, as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as a friend. I had finally just had enough. And so if you're ever thinking of seeking treatment like that, do it. And don't let anyone tell you that you're less than because of it. Because it saved my marriage. My children are happy. My children are healthy. And I now know what I want and don't want out of this life. Currently, as of today, my father has relapsed with alcohol. And he has landed himself in the county jail on firearm charges. Four firearm charges. My stepfather is currently in prison on year two of his two to ten year sentence for assaulting my mother in front of my brother. They do remain loyal to each other and still are married. The last assault that took place, the police did know that it happened in front of them. Or in front of him, my bad, excuse me. Um, so, there, it, yeah, police have been involved. CPS has been involved. There is still a child in the situation, sadly. And um, there's not much anybody can do other than bring awareness to what's happening. So as of today, my mother has lost her Section 8 housing. I believe that happened in 2021. We haven't really spoke much since then. $80 a month for rent or finding a job seemed to be out of the question, even though she had an 8-year-old living at home, like I do now. She's been homeless on and off for the past three years, she was living with my father, but now that he's incarcerated, um, I believe that's no longer an option. Uh, currently, I know my 11-year-old little brother is staying in my sister's one-bedroom apartment with my mother. Um, and I remember CPS coming to our home, coming to our school, etc. But nothing ever came from it. I know even now, local police will say, you know, until we can actively catch her committing a crime, we can't pick her up. But she has an outstanding warrant. So make it make sense. This is what years of the system failing looks like. I remain in therapy. I take medications and I see a psychiatrist for my ongoing battles with depression, with anxiety, and with PTSD. I don't want this segment to be in vain and I don't want my parents to think that I hate them because I don't 
I love them both very much. And they have the capacity to be good people and be good parents. So I hope and I pray that they get the help that they need. But more so that my brother gets the help that he so desperately needs and deserves. The help all of us have needed for so long. I want to thank you guys for letting me share my story with you. By bringing awareness to these system failures and parental abuse, we can help people feel less alone. And we're highlighting a critical issue here in America. Child abuse and neglect happens to one out of every seven children in America. And that's likely an understatement. An unsupervised, alone, left to carry the burdens of adulthood. It's just so unfair. If you or a child you know is in danger, please don't wait to call the authorities. The best thing you can do is get local authorities involved. You can also report a missing or abused child to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-843-5678. I want to thank you so much for listening to my story, helping me heal, and just going on this journey with me. If you have a short story that you want to share, I look forward to hearing from you. And you can reach me on TikTok at Holly Corhorn or by email, hollycorhorn at gmail.com. That's H-O-L-L-Y-K-O-R-H-O-R-N at gmail.com. I will see you all next Monday with our first guest. We will be hosting our first guest next Monday and we will go dive deep into her story. I thought it was important this week that we started with my story so people could understand just where I'm coming from and see the work that I've put in and why I wanted to do this. If this can help one child out there or one parent out there to feel less alone and less like they have to carry these generational traumas and burdens and abuses into the next generation, then we're doing our job. Thank you guys so much. I will see you next Monday for another episode of Close the Blinds. Holly signing off. I love you. Bye.